Welcome to another edition of the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the director himself of technical service, of all the services technical from Carboline, Mr. Paul Jameis. And Paul, we're going to SSPC in two weeks, so the promotion wheels have been turning. <laughs> I'm afraid to know where this is going. You should be. <laughs> Because, so here, here's the challenge I have for anybody who's going to SSPC conference in Orlando, February 11th through 14th. We're doing it live in booth 601. There's the self-promotion the there. Yeah. All right. I dare you to take a good picture of me. I don't <laughs> think you can. I am the worst picture taker on the face of the planet to where the picture that's floating around uh, our good friend of the show, Jim Kunkel yep. uh, from SSPC is... Uh, Honestly, probably promotes this more than we do. Just put out something for us last night, and he used what I affectionately call the serial killer picture. So just to let everybody know, my wife, is part of her hobby, has always been photography. She came in at the beginning of when we started doing this thing. Sure. We were doing something. I think it was for the Paint Square Press article. Yeah, it's also the serial killer picture is the published picture in that article. Oh, is it? Okay, so this is a <laughs> yeah. different one, though, that, that we gave Jim, because I uh, didn't want to worry about any... Oh, it's a different picture. It is a different picture. But the same shoot. But she took about 1,100 pictures that day of Jack and I, and I think there's three that Jack doesn't have a serial killer look in it. Yeah, I don't. Either he's got a goofy grin on his face, or his eyes look like he's looking through you. And one of the ones that were good, Adrian sent to your wife, Kate. I'm like, here, just in case you needed a good picture of Jack. Yeah, right? Because they don't exist. Every picture I look like, I ruin every family picture. I literally look like a serial killer. My 12-year-old son does it too. He's still 12, so 12-year-olds. Well, he's almost scarier because his comes with this smile. But like, if you know him, you know he's not happy. Which I think might be more of a serial killer kind of look, because he's smiling, but you could see it in his eyes that he doesn't want to be there. One more second, I will kill you. I will kill all of you. (laughs) All right, Paul, now, if anybody is still listening to this thing at this point, how would they get a hold of us to tell us to stop it? Yeah, so you can reach Jack on Twitter at Jack underscore CTSP. I'm at Paul underscore CTSP. And we still have our email is technicalservice at carboline.com. The thing that we're going to talk about today is set up on a pretty regular phone call that we get in technical service. So we brought in the pump whisperer himself, Mr. Dan Barabalt, to help us talk about this. And, and Dan, how's it going over there? It's all good. Let's spray away. All right. Let's go. So... Before we go there, though, I, I'm sorry I have to bring up another bad subject that I kind of brought up last week on the podcast. But if Paul is, bring up last if Paul is a Saints fan, no. Dan <laughs> is like super Saints fan. I, yeah. I don't want to talk about psychotic behavior, but I'm going to anyway. Dan is the Ray Finkel of Saints fans because if you go into his cube right now, there are no less than... Seven printouts <laughs> from the of, Times Picky. Yeah, yeah, from the New Orleans newspaper that said "refing unbelievable" from that <laughs> one non-call. He he was off on Monday, and I literally almost went in there with duct tape and like taped on his cubicle. Laces out, Dan. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so Dan, how are you? It doing? wasn't a missed kick. It was a missed call. Dang it. <laughs> Know that that was heavy on the Carboline uh, Tech Service <laughs> yeah. Department. That uh, the uh, old Saints were 
refed up a little bit. See what I oh, did there? Good recovery there. What we want to talk about today is some common, I don't want to say terminology as far as pumps, but it is not all too uncommon for us to get a phone call that is somebody having problems spraying a material and they will bring up that they have the proper pressure as outlined on the product data sheet. What we're looking to do in today's episode is give you the information to understand the differences between what the pressure means, where your gallon per minute ratings come from, and what the ratios are, the tip sizes, your hose sizes, and how all of those have to come together to really be able to answer this question. Now, we're only going to touch, I mean, talk about the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, this is like the 10,000-foot view for sure. Yeah, we're looking at the tip of the iceberg from 10,000 feet. Correct. We want you to understand that it's not just pressure, that every, well, it is pressure, but all of the other factors involved have a major effect on these pressures. One of the most common misconceptions that we can get out of the way right before we even start and explain why all these other things are important is the materials that you deal with in the industrial paint world are significantly thicker than any of the other paint materials used throughout the world. So you're typically dealing with materials that have significantly higher viscosities. That creates a challenge where pressure alone doesn't fix the problem. Before we get even too deep into this, I do want to mention we're not really going to get into how to diagnose problems and fix problems. This is going to be, I foresee this being a multi-part series. That won't be released in sequential order at all. No, no, it's they're going to be broken up. But this is going to get us into, here's how your pump is configured for what you're going to use it for. And not why. how to fix it if it's wrong. And why. There are about five major factors that we look for when we talk about a pump recommendation and setup. We are going to talk about the required PSI, the required fluid to air ratio, the required hose sizes, the required gallons per minute, and the required tip sizes, and how each one of those has a major effect on your ability to spray industrial coatings. First, let's go ahead. PSI, ratio, and gallons per minute all are kind of related. So we're going to have a quick conversation about those three factors and how they relate to each other. PSI is pounds per square inch. Typically for most industrial coatings, you're going to be in the thousands of PSI for spraying. Why that is important is you need that high pressure in order to move the thicker materials. Why PSI ratio and gallons per minute are all related is is we really should get into the pump ratio dan do you want to take a second and kind of explain what i'm talking about when i say pump ratio sure jay so when you talk about pump ratio that is the factor of you know size or area of which the air motor encompasses versus the ratio in surface area of your pump lower unit okay so and what dan just pointed out there is something very important to understand too is sometimes we'll talk about it just being your pump needs to be a size. Talk about your pump, get your pump. You know, what's, but really when we say pump, we are talking about two distinct parts. We have the motor, which is that big bell shaped housing that sits up on top of, you know, the middle of the pump. That's where all the weight is. It's sitting way up high with the, with, that is the part that usually has the bigger compression ratio on it. When we look at that, that's the part we're talking about that has the motor piston that, we use to push the paint. 
The other part we have is the lower unit, which is typically the smaller number when we talk about the ratios. And that's a direct correlation in size. So when we talk about a 45 to 1, that motor piston is 45 times larger than the fluid pump piston, that lower unit. That's right. And that's how we generate the pressure. So as Dan was saying, when we're looking at that ratio, that's what's the most important to determine how much paint we can move with how much pressure. So commonly when somebody calls in, we, we base our you know, recommendation as far as what size airless spray pump to use. That's based on you know the compressed air feed to the airless spray pump being basically 100 PSI. And, okay, and then from there, we base the ratio again of the air motor to the pump lower, you know, basically is what we call the air motor to pump lower ratio. And that could be 10 to 1, 30 to 1, 45 to 1, 60 to 1, even 75 to 1 ratio. Sure. And think about this. Commonly in plural systems, when you have a transfer pump that moves materials from the uh, drums to the the actual plural component unit or you have a solvent flush pump a lot of times with those pumps they're going to be a lot smaller ratios because you don't need the pressures to just move material from a drum into the the unit what you need high pressures for is to actually atomize that material so when you see fluid to air pressure ratios of one to one five to one those are going to be smaller pumps. We're usually, when we're talking about spraying the coating, we're usually in 30 to 1, 45 to 1, 60 to 1, 70 to 1, those those type ratios. Now, why that's important is the bigger units, what's important to tie to that is you can have a 70 to 1 pump, but still have a low gallons per minute. And I want everybody to think about getting a milkshake. So you got your thick milkshake, how did I know we weren't going to get away from a milkshake today? I know. If you have a small straw, like, you know, most most places when you go through the drive-thru and get a milkshake, they give you the standard straw that you use for a soda. That's right. And notice you usually have to wait for that shake to melt a little bit before you can even get some out of there because the viscosity of the shake is so high that it's really hard to get that shake through a small, tiny straw some places i think we decided it was mcdonald's gives you that big that big square spoon straw but you can usually drink that shake right away because it doesn't require as much power to get that shake through the cup in 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 through that bigger straw so we we are as the as the person we're sucking with the same amount of power yeah and sometimes you get it in when you use the great big straw and sometimes you just sit there and you never get anything to go through the straw when you've got those little ones and you just got to wait. You've got to wait for the viscosity to change, which kind of leads us into our next thing. The easiest way to change the viscosity of coatings. Temperature. Temperature. Mm-hmm. Things when they're cold, like a milkshake, yep. have a higher viscosity. Viscosity dis- decreases as you increase temperature. So one of the tricks that you can do, I know that we're going to do it later, a diff- whole different episode when we're talking about Uh, pump spray but material temperature is a huge factor when it comes to the viscosity of the material if your material's really cold it's going to require that much bigger of a pump to move it that fluid to air ratio in your lower unit is going to have to be bigger to move that colder material that's why you'll see in a lot of cases most manufacturers have a standard statement on their product data sheets that say our 100 solids materials we do not recommend thinning 
And the most common thing that, that most people think about, well, if the stuff's too thick, let me thin it down. Well, when we're talking about 100 solids material, we say don't add thinner. So how are you going to make that adjustment? You warm it up, which is why when you look at application guides and product data sheets, they're going to give you temperature ranges to use the material at because at those temperatures is the easiest to move that material. So it's important to realize that when we talk about being able to spray these materials, that PSI isn't the only number. You, you almost want to think about it as a pyramid. You know, your PSI is the big number, but in conjunction with that, your fluid to air ratio and your gallons per minute have a huge effect on whether or not you're going to move the heavier materials. Right. And when we're talking about that bigger straw with the gallons per minute, a lot of times what we look at is you can use smaller, lower units when you're doing things like, you know, latex paints or varnishes or, or thin urethanes, you can use those smaller, lower units. But when you get into these heavily glass flake filled or ceramic filled or anything with the bigger particles, you need a bigger orifice for that to go through. And if it's too small, you're going to choke your pump out and not be able to get the flow that you want. And along the lines of the straw, we're going to make a recommendation as a material manufacturer that you have a certain hose size depending on your materials. And Dan, uh, you want to take a minute and talk a little bit about hose size and how it reflects pressure drops and abilities to move material. So indeed, yeah, yes. So besides the pump's air motor to lower unit ratio, which will determine what type of fluid spray pressures you can develop, you know, based on 100 PSI uh, compressed air feed to an airless pump's air motor. The straw analogy is spot on when it comes to fluid uh, spray pressure requirements, depending on the viscosity and the solids by volume content and the amount of additives or fillers that a coating has. So indeed, if you've got very low water-thin viscosity type varnishes, lacquers, uh, clear coats, you can get by with developing very uh, good spray patterns with fairly low pressure settings through quarter-inch diameter hose. But if you tried a 100% solids mica and glass flake filled uh, epoxy through a quarter-inch hose, even if you, you dump, you know, 2,500 to 4,000 PSI pressures, you may not end up with a proper spray pattern through, you know, an airless spray tip with only a quarter inch hose and that has to become come down to what your fluid pressure transfer from your pump to your spray gun is dependent upon again the pump's delivery uh, as far as gallons per minute the we talked about viscosity of the material and we also have to take into account the fluid hose diameter and fluid hose lengths if you're going to use a certain spray tip. So if you're, again, if you're looking at, uh, for example, with say using a 17 to a 19 thousandths tip to spray our, you know, standard 75% solids epoxy, take into account that the fluid pressure drop through a 50 foot quarter inch hose could be in the neighborhood of 160 PSI from start from the pump to the gun. And that's just 50 feet. That's just 50 feet. Well, jump up to a 3 8 inch diameter fluid hose using that same 19 tip your fluid pressure drop from pump to gun is almost one third of that only 57 pounds and that's an important thing to, to think about and, and everybody think about this in a surface area to volume ratio and a quarter inch hose just doesn't hold as much material as a 3 8 inch hose and therefore you have more material in contact with the material and you know i don't want to get a darcy's law or anything oh. <laughs> but the Oops. bigger 
the hose, the less friction you have and the less pressure loss that you have throughout that hose. And it really is amazing to look at. We've got a chart that shows, you know, just in the difference between a 15 one thousandths tip and a 27 one thousandths tip, the fact that the pressure loss in a hose is half as you change the size tip. That was something that was really amazing to me, and I didn't know we were there yet. But with a, yeah, a 27 size tip versus a 15 size tip, pressure drop is, is double with the bigger hose because you're just letting out that much more material. But... Keep in mind that we're talking about the difference between, because we haven't gotten to tip sizes yet, so I guess we just naturally go there. But Yeah, we're going to have to go there. But the uh, 27 tip is a 0.027 inch. That's the orifice size. A 15 tip is a 0.015 inch. So in 0.012 inches. You double the loss. Yeah. Of pressure. Yep. That's, that's minuscule. Right. Right. And we're talking, this is just a, this is a 50 foot hose and you know, a quarter inch hose or, and a three eighths inch hose is a much lower number, but it's still the same ratio. You're still losing about double the amount with that difference in tip size. So real quick with tips. So like I said, when you see a tip, you usually get a three digit number, 515, 627. And what does that actually mean? So those second two numbers are the orifice size, and that's in inches. Or, you know, a 627 tip is a .027 orifice size. Yeah, so we're talking about 27 thousandths of an inch. So that first number is related to the fan pattern size. So if it's a 5, you double it, and it's a 10-inch fan pattern. One foot distance from your target. Correct. A number 5 spray tip, fan size, gives you a 10-inch wide pattern, or, or top to bottom. Yep. yep. And that is one way that you can check to see if your tip is still in good shape is you can hold your gun back at a foot off of it, pull the trigger for a quick snap and see how wide your fan pattern is. If a five, whatever tip has a, has a, you know, seven inch fan pattern, that means your tip's not right. You or your tip you're out. too close. Well, yeah. Yeah. But that change in size of your pattern is really a good indicator as to whether or not your tip is blown out. Well, cause we, we also read in research for this is that, well, worn out tip could give you an extra gallon of loss per every 500 square feet. You're going to shoot an extra gallon of material with a worn out tip. Yeah. So when you have when you have a, a painter who's who's wondering why he has to buy more paint that he ran out with, an easy thing to check is the quality of the tip. You know, if they're using a blown out tip, it's going to decrease their efficiency. And I think one thing that I hope everybody picked up when we talked about this that there is a pressure loss depending on how far you go. And we talked about it with just 50 feet, you could lose up to 160 or even more PSI depending on what size your tip is and what size your hose is. So why is that important? Why does that all mean anything? Well, the goal here is to atomize the paint in a good, nice fan pattern. If you are struggling to get that fan pattern, these are the things that you need to make sure that you are in compliance with in order to get the good atomization. Now, one of the other things I want to point out before we lose the hose part, make sure that your hose is rated for the maximum pressure of your pump. That's a big safety tip. Big safety. And you don't want to come in using a 3,000 PSI pump or a 3,000 PSI hose on a 75 to 1 pump, which is going to generate possibly 7,500 PSI of pressure. You are going to blow that hose and a high pressure hose rupture is nobody's best friend. So that, be that could be an entire it. episode to itself. Yep. So that's the important thing to remember is that if you are having trouble getting atomization of your pump, 
These are the different factors that you need to start going with. The easiest thing to do first is to tip down and get a smaller tip size. The next easiest thing to do is get a bigger hose. Yep. Vice versa. So on, so on, so on. If you are looking at pump selection and you know that your product requires 4,000 PSI, but your pump is going to be hundreds of feet away from where you actually get to work, even though it says you can use a 45 to 1 on the product data sheet, you probably need to be looking at the, the bigger guy, the 70 to 1, because of the pressure loss. Because in order to atomize, that pressure isn't the pressure at the pump. Yeah, pressure we're talking at the about tip. pressure at the tip. Going vertical affects that. But there are so many different things, and I think we're going to continue this on in a different episode to talk about some more diagnosis problems because atomizing paint is one of the biggest challenges that you will face in the industrial coatings world, and there's a lot of information there. In fact, this is going to be one of our longest podcasts in a while, just yeah. trying yep. to deal with our the basics. And if you're looking for more information before we get back around to it, SSPC has a great couple of classes where they have their train the painter and their coding application specialist courses. The pump manufacturers have training courses. I know some of the research we found was at Graco's website. Graco um, has excellent training courses. Yep. So Yeah, so just do a little bit of looking around if you need more information before we get back to it. And, and a lot of these are places where we're getting our information from too. All right. Well, thanks again for listening, Dan. Thanks for coming in. Well, all right. Well, we'll see you next Monday. Who put the light?